there and welcome to the Secrets of Organ Playing podcast. I'm your host, Vidas Pinkavichus. Today's guest is William Whitehead, an English organist, and he has gained a wide reputation for his engaging and inspiring interpretation of the organ repertoire. His concert career was given a boost uh, when he won the first prize at the Odense International Organ Competition in Denmark 2004. Since then, he has traveled widely giving concerts in Europe and the US. Recent venues include St. Giles Cathedral, Edinburgh, Westminster Cathedral and Berlin Dome. A recorded artist on dozens of discs, he is most recently to be heard as organ soloist in Handel's Opus 7, number 1, organ concerto with the Gabrieli Consort. His work as a continuum player brings him together with groups such as the Gabrieli Consort, uh, the Orchestra and the Age of the Enlightenment, and the Dunedin Consort. This year's proms uh, saw him appear with the St. Petersburg Philharmonic Orchestra. Trained at Oxford University and the Royal Academy of Music, William Whitehead is now a sought-after organ teacher, teaching many students at both Oxford and Cambridge universities. Previously, he has held appointments as assistant organist at Rochester Cathedral and was a professor at both the Royal Academy of Music and Trinity College of Music. As curator of the Organ Buchlein project, William Whitehead is seeing through a large-scale project to complete Bach's unfinished collection. This international project uh, has already garnered much interest and is fast becoming a cross-section of the most interesting composers at work today. It will be published at Peter's edition. In this conversation, William is sharing uh, his insights about the Orgelbuchlein projects. And uh, the manuscript of Bu- Orgelbuchlein has 118 missing pieces, ghostly gaps with only the title penned by Bach. Each of these gaps will be filled by a new composition based on Bach's intended melody. The new pieces, written by the most interesting composers that work today, will survey a range of modern styles. The task for composers contributing to the Orgelbuchlein project is this. If Bach were alive today, how might he go about writing a short chorale prelude in the Orgelbuchlein style? So let's hear all about this fantastic project and let's go to the show. So, William, I'm so delighted we are having this conversation finally. Um, you first contacted me in early 2012, where you were just beginning to to um, put this project together. So, this new organ book, right? The new Orgelbuchlein that Bach didn't uh, uh, complete in time when he was alive. So, here comes uh, William, and he decides to uh, continue the great Bach tradition and finish this project in the 21st century. Thank you so much for doing this and welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a great pleasure to talk to you. So, uh, for, for starters, um, tell us a little bit, uh, how did you come up with this idea? Who inspired you to pursue this project? I can be very precise about that. Um, <clears throat> it was... Uh, 
Almost exactly 10 years ago, uh, I was teaching uh, on a course for young organists in Oundle. It's a very well-known uh, place, a beautiful place in England, in the middle of England, which has courses for young organists. And at the end of the week-long course, there is always a platform concert. The students give a concert. One of the students on this uh, course said he would like to play one of his own compositions. Uh, and he played a, a, a very, very beautiful chorale prelude uh, in Orgelbuchlein style, based on an English hymn. But I sat listening to it thinking, well, if this... 17-year-old boy can write a beautiful uh, Orgelbuchlein-style piece. Why can't lots of other composers, and why can't we complete the Orgelbuchlein? Fantastic idea, right? The, uh, the, uh, we know that Bach completed only, how many, 46 or 45 of them, 45. but planned, uh, planned uh, over 150. 64. 64, right? It's it's the exact uh, number of titles that were written in before composition even began, right? So exactly. each yes, piece was supposed to be how much? Uh, one page length in, in length, with some of exceptions, right? Yes, uh, there's some of them would have been longer. Um, some of the chorale melodies are really quite long. Mm. Uh, and indeed, sometimes he didn't plan enough space and he had to go onto the next page or he had to paste in a little extra page. So it was a, a rather approximate guess he had to make when he laid out the plan. Do you know uh, what what um, made him really stop composing? Do you know what, what, uh, what um, really happened because we can speculate of course maybe he got bored with 165 melodies or or maybe he got another project going on yes it's it's we very difficult to say we we simply don't know lots of speculation though and i've i've been i've even had some thoughts of my own I, because of course next year is the 500th anniversary of the reformation mm-hmm. And it occurred to me that maybe Bach was even making uh, a 200th uh, anniversary tribute in 1717, and maybe time ran out, maybe he got another job. That's probably the most likely that, uh, in fact, he uh, came to his time at Weimar came to an end, not exactly happily, uh, and really his next job didn't require him to be producing these small chorales for the liturgy so he simply abandoned the project he took it up again later in Leipzig of course rather half-heartedly and composed I think two more uh, and added the title page but it really was a project that didn't after 1717 it simply didn't mm-hmm. come to fruition right do you remember uh, William the f- what was the first chorale prelude that, that you heard in your um, a lifetime as an organist. What was really the first inspiration for you? Uh, of in any terms, I think. Oh, well, I remember when I was a very young organist, uh, learning the Herzlich tut mich verlangen of Bach, um, and being very struck by the beautiful harmonies. I guess I was about. Mm-hmm. 13 when I uh, learned that, um, which is not from Orgelbuchlein, but it's a chorale in a similar style, I guess. Um, 
But Olga Buchlein, I suppose I came to a little bit later in my life, um, and I can't remember. I, probably Omen Spivain is the first one I came across. It's, for many people, it must be the same, uh, one of the most amazing chorales there is. And a lot of people really do start organ playing, or at least Bach organ playing, with organ Buchlein preludes, which are mm. not too very, not too easy, right, to, 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 to handle <laughs> at, at, at the beginning, right? Well, people say this, that uh, if Bach explicitly on his title page is saying that this is uh, a collection so that you can learn to play the organ, today, of course, we have a very professionalized sense of learning the organ, and we have extremely good tutors, by which I mean books and people, who will guide new young organists through a very carefully crafted series of stages. But Orgelbuchlein really is still, if you can grapple with each of those chorales as a young learning organist, it's still, you will cover every aspect of technique that you need. So it may not be uh, like an ABC uh, for a, a very young child, but it's, it's certainly a wonderful way to learn the organ. And I'm sure Bach's pupils copied these pieces and took them away and simply applied themselves to playing the organ until they could play it. Right, and we have to probably mention Marcel Dupré, 79 chorales, which you mm. thought would be like a preparatory work uh, before jumping in into Orgelbuchlein, right? Mm -hmm. Right. Which are easier. Yeah. Yes, indeed. And you think of other collections like the Brahms 11 chorale preludes. I think it's 11, is it? Uh, and the uh, Rega, I can't remember which opus number it is. Uh, 135A. Uh, well done. <laughs> so, again, very small pieces in a very similar style and probably for very similar uses as Bach's Orgelbuchlein. Exactly. Um, so, for me, I remember... Uh, I started organ playing and my first organ teacher uh, gave me this this entire collection and said, go ahead and pick some some organ, organ chorale, you know, for yourself. And I was uh, about 16 years old. It couldn't really sight read very well and uh, uh, took this collection at home and played it on the piano, you know, without any pedals and mm -hmm. tried to grasp all the intricacies of the pedal work as well um, into the only the finger part and it was very, very difficult I remember at that time and mm. the first one that I really played, I think, was Ich Ruf zu dir Ich Ruf zu dir that's, you know, like a trio texture but it's mm. a simple enough because the repeated bass uh, sort of melody um, uh, in in the pedals is is sort of manageable, and each hand has its own melody. So it is a wise, it was a wise uh, cho uh, choice for from my teacher, I think, uh, yes. because there are uh, like uh, even this homage uh, uh, bevine, right? Uh, is is it's not very easy, right? Because it's extremely slow. It's extremely slow tempo, and you have to feel the flow, nevertheless. Yes, indeed. And uh, to make it sing and breathe, and to ornament it beautifully, it's no. I think, mm. of course, on paper, it's not so difficult. But in reality, it's really very difficult to make it sound good. But I was thinking of um, one of the early ones. I think it's the second one in the collection, uh, Gott durch deine Güter, which is a canon. Right. It's 
extremely difficult. <laughs> it's really, uh, of course, it depends what speed you play it, but to play the canon, you know, with one part in the pedal and one part in the right hand, um, with running quavers in between, it's it's a really technically difficult piece. So, uh, so today in the twenty first century, people use that collection not only to play the organ, right, to to master the organ playing skills, but maybe to have some idea at composition, right? Uh, they use the techniques and figurations, right, imitations that are present into original uh, piece and uh, try to. I don't know, put it into another um, piece, another uh, tune, right? And uh, make it sound uh, like a new. I remember doing those exercises. Quite mm-hmm. uh, quite uh, fascinated me, this type of approach. Did you try it yourself, this kind of practice? Yeah. Yes, a little bit uh, as a composer, but uh, and indeed, yes, they are wonderful um, example pieces mm-hmm. for well, principally three types of composition. So they're very simple, sometimes called cantonal style, where the tune is absolutely plain and simple, like almost like the you would find in a hymnal. And then the motifs and the figuration weaves around the tune. Then, of course, you have the canons. I think there are 12 of them, about 12 in Orgelbuchlein. Uh, is there some symbolism there, perhaps? And then, like Omech Bivine, the ornamented chorales. So three very different ways of thinking musically and three different ways of, of tying together a very small piece. And those ty- three types of uh, uh, um, techniques could could have been used very easily in those days as a... A chorale introduction, right? Probably like a, like before a congregational singing, right? Do you think that uh, Bach himself used that kind of approach when he uh, practiced and played and performed during services in, uh, let's say, Arnstadt or even later uh, in Weimar, right? Yes, I'm I'm sure that's what they're for. Mm-hmm. There, there's all sorts of talk. Of course, we don't exactly know what these pieces are for and indeed they don't need to be for one thing alone um, but I think in, in practical terms they are certainly preludes to the singing of a chorale and in that my my thinking is um, enhanced I'm just going to reach for a book in my bookcase but the uh, Johann Christoph Bach who wrote um, his 44 Chorale zum Preambulieren, so chorales for for preluding, um, and they are one can only be slightly <laughs> uh, cruel to Johann Christoph Bach. They're they're very simple and very basic pieces, and I, I'm sure that Johann Sebastian Bach is gently saying, "This is what you can really do." Uh, you can make the texture much richer, much more interesting, really make a, a, a true composition rather than a small and a piece which doesn't go anywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, they're fascinating little pieces. Johann Christoph Bach, of course, was uh, Johann Sebastian's uncle and probably his first teacher in Eisenach. So um, it's a fairly direct connection, I think. But of course, these Orgelbuchlein pieces can be used as meditations. They could be used um, for private devotion. They, are, as, as you said, they might well be composition exercises. They might be pedagogical exercises. And why shouldn't they be all of those things? 
Right. And uh, throughout the centuries, right, from the 1717, at least the first half of the 18th century, uh, composers loved this idea of taking a, a, a chorale melody and uh, putting into the uh, into the larger piece, right? Uh, not necessarily a, a well-extended piece like, like Leipzig chorale preludes or even Schubler uh, types of, mm-hmm. of with, with, with ritornellos and recurring melodies, um, refrains, right? Right, uh, but shorter, as you say, and uh, Rieger, Brahms, right? And uh, I wonder, uh, did they get this idea from from those masters, um, like like Bach himself, or did they uh, have uh, this uh, their own ideas also throughout the centuries? Uh, well, I think I think <laughs> everything is present in Bach. Um, uh he's such a, a composer who discovered all paths before we did um but um i think there's quite a difference between the these little orgelbuchlein pieces and um the various different types of chorale treatment in, within bach so as you say the um the leipzig chorales which are have a completely different ambition and set out absolutely to be an artistic um, exploration of the chorale. Fantasia, of course, becomes, you know, the chorale fantasia, as was very present with Buxtehude, but Bach is picking up on that idea, which again is very different from Orgelbuchlein. Um, and I suppose, uh, I don't know, I've never really thought this through, but the, the, the enormous pieces of, say, Max Reger, where he's using... Mm-hmm. A chorale, it um, it could spring out of the Leipzig chorales eventually, but yeah, uh, yeah or even the list ad nos the idea of what what can happen to a chorale theme, even if it's a secular chorale, exactly. um, over the course. Of the you know, it's it's all connected in my mind too. Uh, that uh, the the smallest possible form probably is Orgelbuchlein chorale, right? Uh, uh, with with some uh, some uh, figurations in middle voices, right? And uh, the the main chorale present in the top voice uh, in general, right? And then mm-hmm. what happens after that? If you want to expand this this model, you add what ritornellos. You add the um, the introduction, which is a recurring melody in different maybe versions, different keys, maybe shortened, maybe with, with sequences leading up to another key with modulations, from the same model you can you can build a longer, like a lap, laptic chorale, right? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And it's not that uh, very far from from choral fantasia because in choral fantasia is uh, you explore different mm, different types of choral settings, right? The choral mm-hmm. prelude settings, echoes, right? The choral variations, versets, fugets, everything put together, right? And you just make a very mm-hmm. large piece, right? So it was very pedagogical idea that Bach he had in mind, don't you think? Yeah. Absolutely. That's um, I, I call these little Orgelbuchlein pieces um, musical espresso shots because mm-hmm. everything is in there. It's just very, very concentrated. Uh, really big pieces in a small skin. 
And imagine, imagine uh, today in 21st century when we have those 45 complete uh, examples that Bach himself wrote, right? What would happen if, if, if somebody would love to improvise like that, right? Or even compose a longer piece like a Fantasia and uh, not, uh, not necessarily take one model as an example, but a few, like a five, perhaps, uh, with different techniques that Bach himself used and uh, treat one phrase of the chorale uh, using one model, another phrase using another, and so forth. And uh, that would be expanded even in the 21st century. Mm-hmm. I, bet, mm-hmm. um, I bet somebody of your, your, um, your composers for the new project mm, used uh, similar ideas, don't you think? <laughs> yes, indeed. That's been a really interesting thing about running this project, that um, some composers have stayed quite close to Bach and his techniques, so presenting the tune very simply. Or in canon, I have a wonderful um, example by the Danish composer John Franson, who's written a canon at the tritone. Mm-hmm. So it's exactly like Bach, but just uh, in a more modernistic fashion. Uh, then uh, not so many composers, but I'm, I'm encouraging more composers in the in the Orgue Buchlein project to take an ornamented form of the chorale. Uh, the French composer Vincent Paulet has done a beautiful one of those, and a British composer Francis Greer, a really beautiful adaptation of the Bach ideal of just um, decorating that chorale melody in the right hand. Then, of course, other composers have um, uh, developed the techniques even further and, and taken more modernistic techniques, which Bach, well, who knows, but he probably, he would have not recognized at first sight, but then he would have looked a little harder and said, oh, yes, I see what's happened here. Mm-hmm. So things like uh, isorhythm, um, so rhythmicizing the melody in a, in a slightly different way, uh, a French composer Jacques Pichard did a really interesting one in which he took the notes of the chorale melody but uh, felt free to add sharps and flats or naturals. So really, it no longer quite sounds like the chorale melody, but it is there. It is mm-hmm. uh, manifestly on the page. It looks like the chorale melody. Um uh, yes, another one who really entered into the spirit of, um, I suppose you call it dodecaphonic music, uh, so serial music, and the chorale is present in many different layers throughout the piece, in retrograde and inversions, inverted retrograde, so really making a sort of very dense technical statement mm-hmm. of the early 20th century. Um, but it still looks like a piece of Orgelbuchlein. It's of the same scale, and the melody, the chorale melody is, is everywhere. So Bach may have recognized exactly what was going on in that piece. Well, and of course, the French composers like, uh, like Thierry Esquesh, right? Uh, he, he, um, uh, I've heard a few of them, um, of the settings from your project, and I thought, well, that's that's a very unique style that he himself uses and very true for himself. It stays in the French French uh-huh. tradition. Mm-hmm. Yes, Thierry's piece goes more in the direction of Fantasia, um, which, of course, is a very small... There's a small 
opening of the door by Bach in Orgelbuchlein with In Dir ist Freude, so the very well-known and really quite long setting of the New Year chorale, where the chorale isn't presented simply, it is chopped up, it is um, done more in a fantasia style, so um, I've allowed a few composers to go in that direction. And uh, were you, when you were comp- contacting those composers, uh, were you uh, laying out the principles behind their compositions which, or, or just the hymn tunes that they should uh, take and uh, treat them as freely as they want? No, I've, the, the brief for writing for the project is uh, I try to be um, as specific as I can be without completely restricting the composer's creativity. It's a very difficult brief, actually. Um, So I do ask composers to write something which reflects the ethos of Orgelbuchlein broadly, um, perhaps also reflecting the density of technique and affect. Um, You have to bear in mind some composers are already lost because they don't know if they aren't organists or if they don't know their Bach well. I do encourage them to go and look at their Bach and learn from him, first of all. Uh, (laughs) um, But uh, then, uh, uh, yes, it's a question of writing a very small piece. Recently, I've been asking composers to try to make the melody structural. Mm-hmm. So, in fact, it's really given once through. Now, whether the melody is stretched or decorated or adapted mm-hmm. doesn't matter so much. But, of course, so many of Bach's Orgelbuchlein pieces, the melody is simply given once through. In fact, the very first thing we hear usually in Bach's Orgelbuchlein is the first note of the chorale melody. Mm-hmm. Um, usually on its own. So that sort of very pared down, very dense, very tight structure is what I'm encouraging composers to do. And most of them absolutely understand it and get get that. It's for some of them, for some of composers, it's, I know, been a very difficult task. They've really struggled to contain their creativity into this two-minute form. Others have found it extremely easy and indeed an inspiration to creativity. Fantastic. The way we reconnected uh, in 2016, uh, William, is through the Dutch composer Advanes, right? Who uh, took part uh, in in your project as well. And he mentioned that uh, uh, I should uh, take a look at your project for this podcast. And of course, uh, I remembered, yes, you contacted me in 2012. And uh, Advanes sent me his setting for your project, Christ der Dubis der Helle Tag. Mm-hmm. And I played it in, in, in my church, on my organ, and uh, it's a beautiful two-page piece. And um, it's very, very, um, uh, to- I would say tonal, but uh, minimalistic, like uh, like mm-hmm. all of, uh, or mo- most of the ads uh, compositions. And it suits, I think, um, the medium, the, the, the organ well. What do you think about uh, Advames? Yes, I think, well, you're right. It's, it's, it's in that um, the Dutch minimal style, if you like. Um, uh, I think there's also a, a kind of pop music element to it, which I'm delighted to have in the project, um, where you know, the, the bass line and the melodies are very rooted and very simple, but 
you know, that's what 95% of the world listens to. And why not have, as it were, a pop music angle on the Orgelbuchlein task? Mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a very beautiful piece. And it's it's not too long to have this in in one mode, right? In in F minor, right? I, I don't think there are. Oh, there is just E natural, like a raised seven scale degree there in a couple of places. I think one, two, yes, two places total. But everything else is just with four flats, like in uh, like in normal, normal uh, natural F minor mode, mm -hmm. uh, and uh, and I thought. Maybe it is um, a little bit of the uh, too monotonic, but uh, but when you play it and it lasts only how many? Maybe two minutes, right? Or two maybe. and a half minutes. Yeah. It's not a very long period of time to get immersed into one mode, one particular color. Mm -hmm. And I, I guess uh, it's it was a very suitable choice that add uh, that uh, mm -hmm. chose. Yes, indeed. And it's interesting that his. Um, now departed uh, compatriot Jacques van Oudmessen, uh, who wrote a piece for the project um, some years ago now, again in a minimal style, if you like, um, very different to Ad's piece, um, with um, uh, moving figuration uh, in, the, in the hands and the tune actually in double pedal. Um, but there, it's, it's, it's a very brilliant recreation of Orgelbuchlein technique. The tune is in fact motivically everywhere. You you hear it as a very simple piece, um, uh, but actually it's 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 worked. It's very well worked, um, like Ad's piece. And what about Lithuanian composers? Did you find some? Yes, right. indeed. Mm -hmm. So far two. Uh, Jonas Jokunas and Justa Janulite, right. <laughs> I pronounce it right, uh, who uh, I think it's maybe three years ago now, we, uh, with a, a collaboration with the Spitalfields Festival in London, um, uh, we heard their pieces, very different pieces. Jonas wrote a piece uh, with very almost mechanistic repetitive patterns. His his chorale was um, Wasserflussen Babylon, so he obviously picked up the idea of water flowing and that kind of motion mm -hmm. written into music, and the tune is in the pedals. Uh, and Euster wrote something very different, um, very beautiful piece with sustained, overlapping, rather free uh, presentation of the chorale, um, which works works very beautifully. Mm -hmm. So yeah, I've 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 read actually about your project in Lithuanian media too, uh, uh, featuring those two composers, Jonas and Juste. Uh, they are from the younger generation, I guess, right? And uh, yeah. and the press was very uh, um, inspired by this idea that Bach uh, Bach collection got uh, uh, continued in the 21st century, and Lithuanians took also part in this. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Uh, yes, oh, I'm delighted. That's um, it's it, it's that's really the spirit of the project. Mm -hmm. that, of course, I, I have a complete range of ages of composers, but. Mm -hmm. uh, younger generation and what they can contribute and their vision of this task of writing a small chorale. Talking about the nationalities and the range of uh, generations, have you counted how many uh, countries uh, are represented? 
Uh, I haven't counted, but mm -hmm. we have um, many European countries. I have one contribution from uh, the United States, Nico Muley. Um, but I could do a quick calculation and I would guess that within the project we have about 20 different countries. Mm -hmm. um, and uh, the newest edition would be a Hungarian, um, Sigmund Shatmari has written a very beautiful piece um, which just arrived in my inbox. Um, and I'm still looking to expand it. The, 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 the project is um, moving towards its end, June 2018 it should be finished uh, so it's really the last 20 or so uh, commissions happening now and um, I'm talking to various composers um, an Italian at least um, uh, a Finnish composer um, so it may be that the family of countries grows even further Fantastic. Uh, you know, it's a very global world right now, right? And people uh, from different continents can share their ideas through through technological advances. And I guess you will have this part uh, uh, project also recorded, right? And and uh, and um, presented in public. I've, I I know uh, at least part of that already was publicly performed. So can mm -hmm. you talk a little bit uh, what will come out of this project uh, when it's once it's done and when it's printed as a piece so first the first task is <clears throat> to get it printed mm -hmm. so uh, edition peters will be publishing it um it's really quite a lot of music so it's going to be six volumes and we will include the original bach so that the collection has a feeling of of completeness so that you turn the page and it's Jonas Jurkunas, you turn the page and there is bach mm -hmm. and you see the pieces sitting right next to each other. Uh, so six volumes over the next two years. We're hoping the first one will be out in January next year. Um, it's actually going to be volume four. Uh, that's the most complete one, so it, we, we had to start there. Uh, indeed, complete performances. Um, it, it's a slightly um, strange concert experience in some ways, but actually putting these very small pieces back to back in concert is it works rather well. In the Edinburgh Festival last year, we um, played the whole of Bach's Orgelbuchlein with I think 12 of the new compositions. And the rhythm of the concert is not like you expect because it's it's very very short pieces, but it does have a rhythm, and it's I'm, so we are looking at various ways of, of putting on complete performance. It's going to be about eight hours of music altogether, so it's one long concert or or several shorter ones, uh, and certainly. I have several festivals around Europe interested, and uh, it'll happen in Turing, in the Turinger Bachwochen in Germany. Um, perhaps in France, the Toulouse Les Orgues Festival may take it, and I hope in London. But um, I, it's it's going to need several different organists because it is a lot of music and a, a lot of music, some of which is of great technical difficulty so it's not a job for one person that I certainly wouldn't want to take on the whole thing uh, but yes I'm very open to talking to other festivals who might be interested in presenting the complete Orgebuchlein when it's done and recording um, yes um, I, the problem is time it's just me running the project I have a small group of trustees who help me but um I, trying to organize the recording at two is it's 
it's happening, but it's trying to find money inevitably and um, a way to present it and maybe presenting it in new ways so that it's online or maybe it's simply free access on a website because the world is very different these days. The market is completely different to how it used to be. Exactly, William. And uh, keeping this in mind, have you thought about uh, microfinancing uh, platforms like Kickstarter? Uh, yes, that's been suggested many a time, um, and I, all I need is a campaign manager. <laughs> yeah, yeah, but what you know, what what happens with Kickstarter or Indiegogo or other platforms like that? Your fans, and I'm sure you have thousands of them around the world now. Um, you know, will be delighted to get involved in this project by supporting it a little bit. So, what you could offer, of course, the CD or DVD of the final product, and uh, in in exchange, they would donate. You know, something uh, something for your uh, project, which which takes the burden out of out of big 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 financial financial. Uh, no commitment from one agency for from state support from municipality from a businesses right oh and now these days if you have a compelling idea and i believe you do with with the new orgel behind your your idea can uh, have wings you know and can spread and uh, keeping this in mind uh, micro financing is an option it's it's sometimes even possible even to restore organs using uh, microfinancing. Yeah, I know that. But uh, it's more difficult because maybe larger sums of money are needed. But um, if you if you have this amazing idea and you present it in the right way uh, and maybe structure it in parts, not necessarily the, the whole idea, but as you say, volumes, 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 one, two, three, four, that might be in your case real good good chance of of getting support um, mm-hmm. and i know mm-hmm. few state films you know who from 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 england they 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 do fantastic documentaries i don't mm-hmm. think they use the same platform as i'm talking about but but uh, they use a similar approach they they have backers and supporters and uh, um, people like it was in the 19th century you sign up to be a subscriber and pay a certain amount of money but then you're one of the major supporters of the project um, yes no we're considering all sorts of things for, for ways to get get it recorded right fantastic um, so uh, uh, what's next then for you uh, for example in this summer the summer of 2016 what are you planning to do with this project do you know uh, well, uh, because there are compositions appearing all the time, there are um, uh, certainly I am playing new pieces um, uh, in various concerts. So in September we have uh, a new piece by a British composer Sally Beamish. So I'll be playing that up in Scotland in the Lammermuir Festival. Um, the project um, continues, uh, yeah, and it's not always me playing the new pieces. In fact, this Sunday we have a premiere of uh, another British composer, Tarek O'Regan. He'll be played uh, by Joseph Wicks uh, at St. John's College, Cambridge. Um, and um, 
the website, the project website, um, is also very collaborative. So I um, have people can submit listings for their concert diary. Uh, and so I, there are um, concerts going on all the time of people playing the project pieces. Um, I should say there's also this, the um, sort of second dimension to the project, the Orgu Buchlein community, where um, anybody anywhere in the world can write a piece and submit it, and I will post it up on the website. And I have some really very interesting compositions have come out of this um, community forum um, from all over the world. Um, there are two people who I think have it as a, an ambition to, to, to write every chorale, all 164, or I should say 118, the missing chorales. Um, there's a Russian doctor, he's from uh, the south of Russia somewhere, who has submitted dozens of them, and they're all there on the Orgu Buchlein community. I think his story must be fascinating. Um, we've exchanged some emails, but I have... Um, a man in Germany who has severe cerebral palsy who has submitted one or two. Um, so it's certainly the the people who've become interested in this project and written pieces is very broad. And I'm really thrilled that it's taken, it's become, um, you know, it's enthused people to write pieces in this, in this style. And indeed, some of the pieces from the Orgue Buchlein community, I will be able to, use in the in the project itself and the publication so i love the idea that there are backroom bachs around the world who may not be a professional musician but have worked out a way to produce a very beautiful composition which i'm thrilled to be able to to publish and uh, do you, on your website of the project website, uh, do you have uh, uh, like uh, um, uh, hymn tunes listed that that people can work with? Yes, um, on the website we there's a, a melodic sources um, area. Um, <clears throat> this has been again a fascinating um, area of discovery because really not many people have looked into these missing melodies in all Google of course the ones which Bach composed are well-known and well-researched. But together with my academic advisor, John Scott Whiteley, um, he has unearthed all sorts of very interesting new information. I think he will eventually publish um, in the Bach scholarship uh, journals about this, um, working out which hymnals are relevant and which hymnals Bach might have known, um, finding out all sorts of things. Um, he keeps some of it secret from me because he's made some astonishing discoveries and uh, I think it'll be quite big news. So that's been an uh, unexpected spin-off from the project. Um, some of the melodies are, have been very difficult to find. They went out of fashion very quickly after Bach's time uh, and they were perhaps really quite localised anyway. Turingian tunes which didn't have wide um, distribution around Germany. So, um, yeah, absolutely fascinating. And of course, I guess you have plans uh, probably to perform the chorales themselves in addition to the 
to the settings that people create uh, wouldn't that be a great idea t- t- for uh, in addition uh, for the complete organ organ uh, piece you have a like a choral uh, <coughs> representation of that right well certainly in in many concerts over the over the years uh, that's been a really good way to form a little um, section of a concert mm-hmm. um, in fact in September I'm working with a acquire the, the Phoenix singers and they will sing some of the chorales and I will play um, actually some Bach and some of the new pieces um, there are all sorts of interesting cross um, pollinations some of the chorales that Bach set elsewhere so the one uh, in his motet Der Geist Hilft is one of the missing ones in Orgelbuchlein that hasn't yet been composed but it will make an obvious uh, concert program if you like um, the the chorale from Jesu Joy of Man's Desiring that unbelievably well-known choral piece uh, that is uh, in Orgelbuchlein known as Werder Munter mm-hmm. uh, Dick Cormans, another Dutch composer uh, wrote a beautiful setting for that so again it, it's, uh, this collection will provide yeah, lots of material for interesting concert programs undoubtedly and how Royal College of Organists reacts to this? Well, they've been involved. Um, they've commissioned uh, two pieces, I think, and we may have further further um, collaborations. Yes, the, the college has been very supportive. Mm-hmm. Um, we there we they commissioned uh, a, a, a Belgian composer, the first Belgian contribution I had, uh, Joris Verdun. He wrote a very beautiful. Um, it's difficult to describe. It's um, if one thinks of Arvo Pett's style, it's not so far from that. Very still, using similar techniques to draw out um, quite simple harmonies, but um, quite telling harmonies, very expressive too. Mm. So fantastic. Um, I think uh, people from around the world uh, now uh, who will be listening to you um, with these ideas will get a better feeling of, of the of the massive scale this project is right and even in Bach's day what what did it what what it meant for Bach to complete the entire um, project you mentioned this Ru- Russian doctor right who himself mm. is trying to uh, follow I Bach's foot, <laughs> footsteps right um, I think so. but uh, it's it's a really massive undertaking uh, if Bach himself would have been uh, only solo solo composer alone doing this but today we can collaborate, and it's a very, very fascinating idea. I don't think any of my contemporary composers have written as fast as Bach. Um, you can see from his handwriting in the manuscript, which is a beautiful thing, um, that some of them are beautifully presented. They're clearly fair copy, but some of them were done in a great hurry, uh, and you see that on the page. <laughs> so you mean in the same collection that sometimes uh, it's a fair copy, but sometimes it's a working copy, right? Yes, mm-hmm. yes. I'm I'm not an expert on handwriting, but mm-hmm. that's um, certainly it, this manuscript mm-hmm. was a was a sketchbook mm-hmm. uh, as much as uh, a, a res, uh, you know, receptacle for fair copies. Um, one imagines that uh, Bach's pupils would have copied the fair copies. Perhaps they would have 
made fair copies of the ones which weren't, but um, it's very much a working manuscript. So, William, uh, tell us, we are very eager to hear uh, where to find you and your project online. So, the website is uh, the main portal, if you like, for the, for the project, and that's www.orgelbuchlein.com, and that's O-R-G-E-L-B-U-E-C-H-L-E-I-N, I think I spelled it right, dot com. Uh, that um, shows all the things we've talked about. Um, there are some of the new compositions available freely for download. The Orgel Buchlein community is there for people can submit to it or indeed download from it. The melodic sources um, is still a work in progress, but I would say two-thirds of the missing melodies are there, ready for a composer to take up the task Uh, and there is other information about Orgel Buchlein and the project. Um, so that's, yes, I do encourage people to log on and have a look and get involved. Fantastic. I'll make, I'll make sure they, they will get this information and uh, I'll put the link into the description of this podcast. Fantastic. Thank you so much, William, for being so generous with your, your time, your ideas. My and, pleasure. And, um, you know, keep... Uh, Keep pushing the boundaries. Keep continuing the great Bach tradition into the 21st century. I, I, I think it's worth it, although it's not very easy. It's not easy, but it is. It's become a, a very rewarding project to be to be involved with. So I'm, I'm delighted. I, I started it, and when it's available and ready for the world to play and enjoy, I'll be very proud. Thank you so much. I'm very grateful. Thank you, Vidas. If you liked this conversation, I encourage you to visit my blog Secrets of Organ Playing at organduo.lt where you will find lots of insights, practical advice and training for every area of organ playing. You can subscribe to this blog for free to get your daily dose of inspiration and to be the first to know when any of my future podcasts roll out. I hope to help you reach your dreams in organ playing. I'm Vidas Pinkavichus. Thanks for listening. And I'll catch you online really soon.